If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at MyGreenSolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code DNVR for, oh, DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. Joining me over the telephone is our good friend and dear beat writer, or our dear friend and good beat writer, uh, <laughs> Sir Patrick Lyons. Uh, we're going to be talking Larry Walker on this episode. Uh, a whole lot of Larry Walker, some of the Hall of Fame stuff. Uh, well, I guess it's mostly going to be Hall of Fame related, but we'll do a little bit of just fun Larry Walker storytelling as well. Uh, but of course, this is prompted because of a recent event held by friend of the podcast, Manny Randawa, who's been on this podcast many, many times, uh, probably almost certainly more than any other guest has been. Uh, as all of you know, he's been working on a book that's coming out in a little bit less than a month uh, on the Blake Street Bombers. And as part of that is basically launching uh, the the unofficial or maybe an official campaign to get Larry Walker into the Hall of Fame in this, his final year of eligibility. Uh, in that effect, or to that effect, I should say, he held an event on Thursday at Blake Street Tavern, a big sponsor of ours. So we were all sitting around drinking some Breckenridge brew and listening to uh, Manny at the Rocky Mountain Saber event give the case, make the case. And he wasn't all alone. He had a couple of special guests along. Uh, really, actually, quite a few special guests. The dignitaries. We had a whole quorum there, Patrick. We could have started making decisions. It was nice to see so many friendly faces. Of course, uh, Dan Evans, a uh, big Sabre guy, a uh, former GM of the Dodgers and White Sox. Uh, Wayne Hagen, who we got to meet and who you will be hearing from Later on in this podcast, the original broadcaster for the Colorado Rockies, the play-by-play man on the radio back in the day, uh, we got a chance to sit down with him. And, you know, Patrick Saunders was there. Thomas Harding was there. You and I were there. There was representation from the Rockies, Warren Miller and Nick Parsons and Corey Little from the communications department were all in attendance. So uh, Manny had our eyes and our ears, and uh, laid out the case, and Evans and Hagen did their part 
as well. And and Saunders and Harding each got in a, a little bit of stuff. But the, the people listening to this podcast have mostly heard the information that was presented. They know he put up basically the same war as Jeter, but in several hundred fewer games, uh, all of the OPS plus stuff and all of that. Uh, so beyond the statistics, Patrick, what stood out to you about the event and sort of hearing these people, especially as somebody who didn't grow up in Colorado and watching Colorado Rockies baseball any more closely than you watched all of the baseball that you watched. Um, what, what was it like being in that room on Thursday? It, it was a fantastic event of uh, a who's who of Colorado baseball because, as you've mentioned, all of the top names and, and notable names uh, around the Colorado Rockies organization, from Wayne Hagen to those in the communications department, um, to those in the Sabre community, uh, which obviously include myself as well as uh, a couple of the other old-timers uh, that we get together with uh, on the third Wednesday of every month for lunch at the Blake Street Tavern. And it was really this coming together of a baseball community centered around one person. Because as I mentioned, you know, we get together for lunch, um, uh, the Rocky Mountain chapter of, of Sabre. And, Shout out to know, Paul we, Parker. Absolutely, our president and uh, my neighbor and uh, also a fellow board member. He's the president, but uh, I was recently, uh, I don't know if I even mentioned this to you at all, Drew, but uh, we did have voting uh, over the past month and I was... Uh, elected for, uh, I believe it was a four-year term um, that will start in January as one of the board members for the Rocky Mountain chapter. I, but, I had you know, actually heard through the grapevine. You did not tell me, but I had heard. So congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, heavy campaigning, you know what I mean? And uh, right. uh, there, there were not any uh, outside influences in this go-round. So I, I feel happy with how I got it done. Um, now, you know, again, we, we get together all the time, and there can be upwards of, of 30 or, or 40 people at these luncheons, but it's usually the same faces. Um, we try to bring in, in some notable guests and former players uh, from the Rockies in the, in the past. But all of the people that were there at this event were there to support Larry Walker and to support Colorado Rockies baseball. You know, it, was, it wasn't a, an event um, that was televised in any way. Uh, of course, it was you know, recorded for prosperity purposes and, and to be shared out with some, um, you know, voters in the BBWAA. And really, again, it, it was just a way for uh, the community of folks that, that love and feel passionate about this game and feel passionate about Larry Walker to say, you know, we, we believe in you and, and we believe that others need to hear. Um, we hope it's not too little too late. Um, but the bottom line is Manny did a fantastic job in getting all of these people together, putting the word out. And as soon as people heard about it, they knew that they had to show up, that this was a place to be. And, uh, and, and what Manny did was, was absolutely fantastic because the other thing to me that really stood out was the way he was able to assemble all of the different information and give it to you in one spot. Now, the Colorado Rockies put something out. Earlier this year, mm -hmm. a little fact sheet about Larry Walker's career, and it's nice, and it's uh, it's all good and well, and, and when you, when you see certain numbers and statistics, and you go, okay, fine, but Manny was able to really bring that to life, um, partially with the use of of some baseball cards, and he uh, he created a very interesting and, and unique uh, baseball card in his final slide, which is fantastic. Hopefully, he he can do something with that, um, but. You know, him just kind of assembling all of these pieces together and um, kind of doing what we're, we're going to uh, be doing in, in just a moment is saying, you know, why it seems as if he has not been in yet and then disproving that theory and disproving any doubters or any doubt as to why Larry Walker isn't one of the finest ball players to ever play this game. So kudos to what Manny was was able to do uh, there on Thursday night. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, I think one of the things he did really well was build it not just around himself presenting the data, which that was a very, uh, very important part of it, especially for anybody who hasn't heard those numbers. They're uh, extraordinarily compelling and, and I think should change anyone's mind who is willing to take a look at them. But I think... 
you know, I, I said something earlier about how longtime listeners of this podcast, if you'd been there, maybe none of the data itself would be new. But that doesn't mean that it wouldn't have been worth being there and getting the perspective, which is just as important, if not more important. It's one thing for me to sit here as somebody who's watched the Colorado Rockies more closely than any team my entire life and tell you that Larry Walker was the most naturally gifted baseball player I ever saw. But when Wayne Hagen says that, it carries a bit more weight. It should. He's been around the game much longer. He's seen much more of it up close and personal with his own two eyes, and not just as uh, somebody covering the Colorado Rockies or somebody like Dan Evans, who has no direct connection to the organization. I mean, he's he's a Colorado guy. In some ways, he's adopted Colorado in a lot of ways. And and But he was a Dodgers GM. He was the White Sox GM. And so when they sit down and go over the data and like when Dan Evans went through his own list of guys he thought were five tool players and he gives you a list like that and he includes Larry Walker on a pretty short list of all-time greats it should tell you something yeah he's so, he's seen the game from he's seen the game from a perspective that that you or I have not, as well as anyone listening to this podcast, most likely, um, and, and that's from a, a true talent evaluator and and someone that you know pulls the strings and can make the, a decision like, do we want to acquire this guy? Which you know Evans basically said he did that you know I before that. Larry Walker, yeah, you know had a little extension there um, during his final few years in Colorado. You know he had an opportunity to become a free agent, and you can just hear. You know the the you know the the sigh of all of Major League Baseball being disappointed at the opportunity to not have him you know be stationed in right field for particularly the Dodgers, but you know twenty eight other teams in addition to that. So you know hearing it hearing it like you said from Wayne Hagen, who's seen you know baseball from um, you know various teams calling play by play one hundred and sixty two games a year, not to mention all those games in spring training, and then. Uh, a guy who's a general manager, um, you know, making those biggest decisions that we are most critical of on a day-to-day basis, and you know, hearing the stories behind the scenes about Larry Walker and getting that all in one spot, you realize exactly the the magnitude of this player and the fantastic career that he had. Yeah, and I think you know, as I was thinking about all of this stuff. I sent out a, a tweet today where I did my my top five worst reasons why Larry Walker isn't in the Hall of Fame as I've been thinking about all of these arguments made against him. And perhaps a better use of my time would have been the best arguments against Walker being in the Hall of Fame. But truthfully, there aren't a ton. Uh, but I did try to kind of make the list work so that the stuff at the back end were the better arguments and as we got closer to number one the the arguments or the reasons were worse and worse and then our good friend mark knudsen again uh, been on the podcast several times former pitcher in major league baseball added another reason that i also think is one of the better ones depending on how you look at it so i want to start with his because it was actually one of the things that wasn't specifically mentioned it more ties into my number four reason but he brings up the lack of milestones. He didn't have 500 home runs, the 2,500 or 3,000 hits, uh, the, the big round numbers. I think those have become less and less important over the years. And so I'll go ahead and tie that in with my number four reason, which was he didn't play enough. Uh, th- that's sort of the big thing. He's, he's known for a couple of big injuries throughout his career, and that was definitely addressed. They spent a lot of time on this notion that he didn't play enough. But uh, I want to get your kind of interpretation of, of how well they made that argument at the event and, and how you might uh, include this thing from Mark about not reaching the milestones as a part of that. Well, yeah, with those two points, you know, as far as milestones go, uh, when I was younger, I liked players that were compilers. You know, that's the word. They they stayed in the field long enough to, to get a record. I mean, you go and you look at Pete Rose and you see a guy who's in his mid 
mid 40s and he was the manager at the time so of course he put himself into the lineup every day that you know allowed him uh, to get more hits than anybody in in major league baseball and and, and pass uh, good old Tyrus Raymond Cobb but you know those things are are kind of um shunned in, in, in certain circles of, of baseball. Craig Biggio was a great all-time player, and I thought he was a Hall of Famer, and you could have made the case he should have been first ballot after getting 3,000 hits, but that actually wasn't enough for uh, the voters of the BBWA. He didn't get in until his second year, and he got 3,000 hits. We think, okay, you get 3,000 hits, you are good to go. That wasn't the case, actually, with, with Craig Biggio. So certainly, you know, he, he didn't compile, um, but... I, you know, neither did Sandy Koufax. Uh, and and he nobody's going to get was... 300 wins anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's off the table, obviously, for for the modern pitchers. Um, but you know, you go back and, and you look at the impact a guy had. You know, through you know numerous seasons, uh, seven years kind of is that is that magical number of of uh, the impact he had in the game. Not necessarily, you know, how long he was able to play deep into his career and compile and just stick around long enough to hit certain milestones. They're very important, no doubt about it. But a, a such a, a a sliver of the members of the Hall of Fame have achieved you know, those milestones, you know, in fact, if you were to make a list of, uh, maybe the, if a lot of fans made a list of their, their top 25 greatest players that they think of, of all time, half of those guys probably did not hit a milestone. Um, going to the injury piece, uh, again, Manny did a great job with talking about, you know, the, the, the impact that injuries had on Walker, particularly late in his career, and juxtaposing that with the injuries that Ken Griffey Jr. had. Ken Griffey Jr., uh, I, I'm not sure the, the exact figures um, that Manny was citing, if it was, you know, towards the final 10 years of his career, I think it was a substantial amount. It was somewhere in the last 10 or 15 years of Griffey's career, he played like 71% of his games, whereas Walker played 72. What we don't talk about. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. and the time that he missed when he wasn't on the field. And we know why, because of how he played his game. Um, but, you know, if we're going to be fair and say, well, this guy's going to lose points because he wasn't, he was only on the field 72% of the time. Well, you know, that should be a part of the, the discussion for Griffey. And, and it never was because it wasn't a big part of who Ken Griffey Jr. was. So why is that as much of a part, if not way more, for Larry Walker. So there is a little bit of a bias there. And, and you understand it. And Larry Walker and Ken Griffey Jr. are no doubt two different players for different reasons. But, you know, on paper, you can make the case that they were a lot more similar than you would think. Yeah, you brought up so many things there I want to touch on. A lot of the conversation has to do with consistency. Ken Griffey Jr. is a great example in a lot of cases. You mentioned the health stuff, their road numbers are almost identical in fact walkers are just a little bit better which helps dispel of course the big Coors thing which we'll get to but not spend a ton of time on because honestly that's been done to death of course that was my number one of the worst reasons we've gone over that a bunch of times and no one listening to this needs to be preached to about the Coors thing anymore but uh, I do think that you know this idea of consistency when you're comparing them to you know one of the things that Manny mentioned is that Larry Walker's put up more war than I think it was eight of the last 13 people to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So one of the things we're getting at is, as you just put it, the 25 players you think are the best of all time, whoever you think Hall of Famers are, it's likely that Walker was as good a player as them unless you only think of the absolute all-time greats. Dan Evans had a line where he said, you know, traditionally, I prefer not to have to be convinced a guy's a Hall of Famer. Uh, and I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. I think there's a lot of voters that feel that way, which, of course, makes it very difficult to break through to them. This idea that I should just know that you were a Hall of Famer. Uh, but there's also this weird doubling down. I want to get your responses to all of this, but also mention that that touches on what was reason number five, which I thought, you know, was, it was kind of the best reason, the, the best argument for those who would really say, you know, Walker didn't have much success or national exposure, 
Uh, only played on a couple of postseason teams, played in one World Series, and as such, people don't really just naturally and intrinsically think of him as a Hall of Famer, which is where a lot of this punches me in the gut, because while I feel that's a little bit more fair to say, you know, he didn't do those things. He didn't make himself the the real national talk, except for maybe in 1997. It's this kind of doubling down on, well, we didn't pay attention to him during his career, and so we're not going to pay attention to him now. And again, I would point at Ken Griffey Jr. How much team success did he have in his career? Yeah, Seattle, uh, of course, in, in the early to mid-90s, you know, they, they had a, a decent little run. And uh, the most notable season uh, for Seattle Mariners is in 2001, of course, when they got Ichiro Suzuki and, um, you know, just, gosh, I, I should note off the top of my head, I want to say about 117 victories that year. But they were knocked out of the playoffs. So um, In the first round? But ultimately, yeah. But but the, the biggest point I wanted to make there uh, before getting sidetracked was the fact that the greatest season in Seattle Mariners baseball history was after they were able to trade away Ken Griffey Jr. and get Mike Cameron amongst a few other players and free up some money on the books. So, um, you know, you could you could certainly say that there was that slight for Griffey Jr. too and, and uh, having never played uh, in a World Series, you know. Um, you know, we, we talked before we, we started recording about, you know, what's what could be the biggest detractors for Larry Walker. And, and the only real thing I could think of outside of everything that you've mentioned, but but is an, a legitimate debate, is the impact Coors had on Larry Walker and others in the organization as far as uh, the awards, as far as certain... Uh, accolades that players can get. For example, if you're playing at Coors, um, you know, again, you're going to have a couple extra RBI here and there. Uh, your batting average is going to be a little bit higher. So come late June when it's, it's time to vote or when uh, players are being selected for the All-Star game, a guy on the Rockies, his numbers might look a little bit better. So that might have gotten Larry Walker into one or two more all-star games than he than he already had. He was a, a seven-time, excuse me, five-time uh, all-star. So okay, maybe he would have had three or four. Not a big deal. That's not enough to say a guy's not a Hall of Famer or not. And then the other one, as I kind of uh, mentioned, was uh, just batting titles. You know, of course he he was able sure. to win three batting titles uh, in four years span as well. So yeah, we know that uh, the the outfield and course field is is the largest in Major League Baseball and is, is certainly uh, helpful with batting average. So, hey, that's something that goes on his plaque that, you know, maybe, again, hitting in another ballpark, he may have finished, uh, he may have only had one or two batting titles. But, again, that's only uh, a part of the puzzle. And, you know, most of those other debates just simply don't hold water. What about his seasons in Montreal? Uh, what about what he was able to do, you know, when he went to St. Louis? Um, Patrick Saunders told... A fantastic story that I had never heard. Where do you remember this? I remember him telling the story, but I have not heard this. Right, right, (laughs) right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, he he traveled to uh, St. Louis uh, one year. I think this was in in 2004, and you know, by this point, you know, Albert Pujols uh, had been in the league, and it was his fourth season. But he was already, you know, this superstar on his way to uh, a Hall of Fame career, and there was an unspoken you know, agreement or, or pact uh, with media in St. Louis that they pretty much stayed away from Pujols. He doesn't like talking with the media all that much. Uh, but here comes Saunders walking in, a little oblivious of that. And he walks right up to Pujols. And he kind of can can see some people looking around and, uh, you know, maybe making some faces like, who's this guy? Who does he think he is? And, uh, you know, Pujols was like, uh, yeah, you know, what do you want? He, he, he doesn't know this guy. He's not sure if he's... Uh, um, gonna try to write a, a nasty piece on him or or whatever. Obviously, totally disobeying the the typical protocol in the clubhouse. And Saunders just opens up Larry Walker. You know what have you got on him? And Albert Pools proceeds to talk with Patrick Saunders for 15 straight minutes, totally taking up the remaining time of uh, of clubhouse uh, availability. So not only are the other reporters in St. Louis a little disappointed and frustrated at this, but they're also surprised, like, how, what were you 
could you have possibly been talking about with Abra Pujols for 15 minutes? And he just said, he's talking about Larry Walker. And if, yeah. if that doesn't, if that's not an indicator enough about how special of a ball player Walker was and is, um, you know, I, I don't know what else could, could do the trick for you, you know? Yeah. You, you would think testimony like that. I had the interesting and rare opportunity to be on a phone call press conference when Tom Glavin and John Smoltz went into the hall of fame and, uh, Terry Francona was also on that call. And I asked them about Larry Walker and each one of them said, yeah, well, and I knew Glavin, I, I knew that Walker had like a 310 or 315 career batting average against Glavin left on left. And so uh, I, I thought he'd probably know that. And he did. I mean, he knew. He was like, no, that guy, I, it didn't matter. He got me. They all said the, and somebody said this in a different context at the event as well. I can't remember exactly, but the whole point was don't let him beat you. He's going to do crazy stuff. Just don't let anybody get on base around him. Don't try to run on his arm. If he's taking the extra base, just let him go. You're not going to beat Larry Walker. Just don't let him win the whole ball game for them against you. Like he was that kind of player. They didn't have a plan to get him out. It's baseball players way of the old, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. And these are, this is coming from other people who are getting elected into the hall of fame. And as you mentioned with Albert Pujol, somebody who definitely will be, Hey, we got to keep it going on this, but it's getting really cold out here and so i think i got to tell you guys all about denver rubber company because they're going to get you all set up for winter time you know that we love supporting local business and so we are excited to tell you about what they have to offer they're the most reliable partner for your long-term projects since 1972 denver rubber company has provided the highest quality products from custom die cut gaskets molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses and guess what the snow is coming it's not coming it is out there it's it, well and it's coming so i guess that's true too it's we got a lot of snow around the situation right now so you will need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything for your snow plows. DRC can cut to the size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked our warehouse out a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember... Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNVR. So be sure to give them a call today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, or hoses at one 800 259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and tell them who sent you. All right, want to jump back into our conversation about Walker with a few more thoughts before we throw it over to Wayne Hagen. Uh, the one thing on my list here, well, there's two things on my list that we really haven't touched on much. One, I want to leave uh, till just after uh, the break here with Hagen, but one uh, I, I want to touch on because I think it's going to lead into uh, our conversation with the broadcaster, and it is uh, what I put at number three, this misconception on how much Larry Walker cared. We sort of walked up to this point, but didn't really dive into it. This idea that, you know, people often point out, they'll say hockey was his favorite sport, uh, he didn't really know baseball that well. There's the now infamous story of him in the minors running back across the diamond after uh, going over the bases, not knowing that you had to touch second on your way back to first. Um, but there seems to be, and I think I know where it stems from, but we'll leave that for later. Um, not entirely. I mean, even during his career, and we've heard this about guys like Carlos Gonzalez. I think a lot of times guys who play natural and don't always look like they're trying super hard uh, can get this reputation as well. Um, but what what was your takeaway from this part of the argument, this uh, Walker, his heart wasn't really in it? 
part of the conversation. I think that's that's ultimately a, a stretch. You know, there's so many great ball players who have played this game, and even if you just focus on the ones from the Hall of Fame, they weren't all good men. They weren't um, good human beings in a lot of cases, and that's that's not what we're really discussing here with Larry Walker. We're just talking about the the man on the field and what he did and how good of a teammate he was. And there's no there's no one trying to disparage him in any shape or form as far as what he was able to do on the field and the teammate that he was to uh, all three of the different franchises he was a part of. So when you try to say, well, where was his heart at? Or, well, his favorite sport wasn't actually baseball. I don't know what that really has to do with the fact that he was one of the greatest ball players of all time. Pete Rose is one of the greatest baseball players of all time, period. You can say what you want about him gambling and how that got him banned from baseball. Sure, that's why he's not in the Hall of Fame. But if we're talking about being an all-time great baseball player, Pete Rose is one of the greatest. Larry Walker is one of the greatest. What he enjoyed turning on in the offseason and watching you know, uh, the Montreal Canadiens or uh, whoever <laughs> else he, he, he preferred to watch uh, in ice hockey has little to no bearing on his Hall of Fame candidacy. That just It's just not important at all. Even if he was a bad teammate, you wouldn't really even care about that. You would go, yeah, but look what he was able to do and put up. We, we can say everything we want about Barry Bonds and you know, look at his statistics. And he's obviously one of the greatest ball players of all time. Say what you will about PEDs, but what he, if you just look at the numbers on the paper, they show one of the greatest ball players of all time. He was an awful teammate. That's not really what's keeping him out of the Hall of Fame either. So, again, Ty Cobb's in the Hall of Fame. Ty Cobb, Cap Anson, who was ultimately uh, Adrian Cap Anson, was the, the first player that kind of um, he unified the players in saying, look, uh, we are not going to play professional baseball if African-Americans are allowed on our field. He is the reason why it wasn't until 1947 that Jackie Robinson um, was the first black man to, to play professional baseball in what we know to be the major leagues. Cap Anson is still in the Hall of Fame. He hasn't even been taken out. So, yeah. again, if we just want to talk about uh, the ball player that was Larry Walker. I mean, the the proof is in the pudding. It's it's all there in black and white. You know, the the numbers speak for themselves. They 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 match uh, up against anybody. Not the counting stats. You know, he wasn't a compiler. But you look at those those rate stats. You know, he's in. Uh, if you look at his slash lines for his batting average, on base percentage, and slugging, um, the only other six players that um, are, are at his caliber are Babe Ruth. Jimmy Fox, Ted Williams, Lou Gehrig, Hank Greenberg, and Rogers Hornsby. There's no way that you can slice the pie to say, okay, well, you could say Vinny Castilla should be in that group if you did this and you change that number to do that. Well, as soon as you start changing the numbers too much, now that opens the door to you know, uh, less some less than players. And the bottom line is if you just look at the slash lines that Larry Walker put up, those six greats were the only ones that equaled or were better than him, and I, I don't know, I don't know what else you could possibly say, uh, but I know Manny Rendawa is going to say all of that and more in the Blake Street Bombers uh, coming soon to an Amazon.com website near you. I think it's up. I think you can pre-order it now. I think it's like ten bucks. You can. So you should sure. do that. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of. I don't know about a bunch, but we're definitely going to have a couple of opportunities to get together with him, do some book signings for anybody that gets it too. So that'll be fun. Hopefully, maybe some special guests, but just keep an eye out or ear out, I suppose, uh, for when we're going to do that. But I'm so glad you framed that last question the way you did, because I'm always so inclined to be like, what do you mean? How can you say in one breath, the guy didn't play enough because he kept getting hurt? How did he keep getting hurt? He kept crashing into walls, trying to make extraordinary plays. It was, it was doing an aggressive thing. It was not all that dissimilar from some of the conversation that goes on with David Dahl. Does he play too aggressive? Does he go too hard? And does, is that part of how he ends up getting hurt? How can that be the case? And he also didn't care enough. But 
I don't know. I think I I think it's worth pointing all of that out, but it might just be worth cutting straight to the chase with the way you put it and say it does not matter. He could have been the worst teammate in the world. He could have literally never watched a baseball game other than one that he was playing in and only otherwise watched hockey in WWE or AEW, probably an AEW guy. And <laughs> and never talked to any of his teammates. He put up 74 war in his career. That's the one thing he did compile. He, he didn't compile, like you said, the hits, the home runs, the RBI, through some of that. But what he did compile was the ultimate value, the defense, the base running, the complete player. He was one of the most complete players who ever lived, and on top of that, just one of the best hitters who ever lived, as you pointed out. And so it's crazy to me that we're having this conversation. And I've had a number of people, local reporters, tell me that they don't believe that Walker is a Hall of Famer for this reason, for the reason that he, he really didn't care enough and that really his numbers should have been better and that, you know, he didn't give his all to the team. And that drives me nuts. But we'll, we'll get to that after uh, this quick conversation here we got to throw to with Wayne Hagen. Welcome back into the DNVR Rockies podcast. Drew Creaseman alongside a very special guest today. We're down here at the Blake Street Tavern for an event coordinated by great friend of the podcast, Manny Rundawa of MLB.com. You know he's got a book coming out real soon about the Blake Street Bombers. We're going to be doing a lot of events with that. But today with me, uh, really, truly, this is an honor. One of the voices of, of my childhood and one of the voices of the, of the childhood of, I'm sure, a lot of people listening to this. Uh, one of the original radio broadcasters for the Colorado Rockies, alongside your longtime partner, Jeff Kingery, Wayne Hagen. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you for allowing me to have the time. It's a, it's a wonderful subject that we're going to be talking about tonight, about Larry Walker and uh, anything to do with baseball in Denver. See, I was born and raised in Denver. And right. so when I got this job in November of 92, I turned down the Red Sox, the Angels, and the Orioles. This is where I wanted to go. Two guys told me to come here, Vin Scully, Jack Buck. They said, you put the initial footprints in the broadcast sand. Everyone will follow you if you're the first. And it was a true honor to come back here and, and, and to be back living here now and to be able to do something like this tonight. Well, absolutely. And, and I will say, on their behalf, even though they're not here, I would know that Jack Corrigan and Jerry Schimmel would agree that you guys set the standard and, and that they're still, you know, Corrigan obviously is, is a legend in his own right. But, you know, you, you set the tone for Colorado baseball out here. I grew up in Grand Junction out there driving Good on the town. long, dusty roads listening to you on the radio that's how we always got our baseball and as you mentioned we're here to talk a lot about larry walker i'm sure there's going to be a lot of stats coming out at this event we're out at but i want to first get your like ink blot word association takeaway when someone says larry walker to you what springs to mind is it a moment is is it maybe a statistic is it a thing in the clubhouse that maybe none of the rest of us got to see or a way about him what's what jumps to mind first unnatural Mm. He was truly a natural. He had more talent than any Rocky who's ever put on the uniform. If you want to consider all of the tools that a baseball player has. Arenado could go down. He'd have to obviously supplant Todd Helton as the all-time Rocky. He's got that opportunity. But Helton couldn't run. Arenado couldn't run. Larry Walker could run. Could really he could run. throw. He could, he could outthink the opponent like a pitcher does. He could do that on a fly ball hit to him, acting like he's catching it, turn, take it off the wall, and throw the guy out going to second base. He was as superb an athlete. And I saw a lot of great Hall of Famers that were in my career, whether they were with the team I was with or the team that uh, the Rockies or other teams that I was with. 
a post. And Larry Walker goes down as one of the greats, and I broke in with Ricky Henderson. So I, I know a little something about the game of baseball and the true talents that people have. And Larry Walker, I will tell you, one of the funniest things I can remember about Larry Walker, because you did word association, he loved to gamble, and he was a terrific blackjack player. He and Daryl Kyle would go to Atlantic City often when they were together, and there were others that went with him after that. Larry Walker got on the team bus on a Sunday with a sport coat on and a tie. We're going to the ballpark, Veterans Stadium at the time in Philadelphia, and he sat in the third row. I wonder why. He was so superstitious. Everything came up threes. I sit down. That's where I usually sat on the team bus when I was going out to the ballpark, and he goes, hey, Hakes, check this out. And everybody on the bus could hear him. He reaches into his pocket and hands me an envelope, and I'm sitting across the aisle from him. And I take it, and I look, and it says, Harris, Atlantic City. And he goes, open it up. I go, okay, I'll open it up. And now everybody's really interested on the team bus. We haven't rolled the the wheels yet. (laughs) I look down, and it's a check made out to Lawrence Walker for $120,000. I said, the rich just get richer, and that got a (laughs) chuckle out of everybody. And he goes, oh, no reaches into his pocket and pulled out 10000 in cash. He goes, it was 130000 He was more excited about that 10000 oh. than he was the check. <laughs> but that's the way he was. Everything he did came up roses. There was never a dandelion in his life. Yeah. Everything came up roses that he touched. And that's why I want him to get in the Hall of Fame because there were very few players that were any better than Larry Walker. You know, it's I, I love that you said that because I've had this argument with people for now I've only been doing this five or six years, but for all five or six years I've been doing this. And one of the things that seems to come up most often against him is almost the opposite side of that, that he was too naturally talented or the way they'll often phrase it. He didn't work hard enough at the game. He didn't care enough. He cared more about hockey than he did about baseball. You knew him better than any of the people saying that. So I just want to get your response to that concept that he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame because other guys maybe wanted it more. Okay, there have been over 19,000 Major League Baseball players. He's the only guy that ever hit over 300. He's the only guy that ever hit over 350 home runs. He's the only guy that stole over 200 bases and had an on-base percentage of 400. The only guy out of 19,000 plus Major League Baseball players. So if he achieves that by just being natural and hey, ho, hum, that is Hall of Fame worthy. I don't care what anybody tells me. Who cares what he looked like? It was too easy for him. He ran like a gazelle. He was 6'3 and 230 pounds. He could run better than most at that big a size. That, that is a nonsensical argument that people have because it was so easy for me. He didn't work hard? No. <laughs> He worked hard at his game. That's why he made it look so easy. Are there a handful of moments? Because we do. I do got to let you get over it and be a part of this event. That just what are some of the handful that you think of over the years that stand out to you? The quintessential, and maybe some that we don't know. We all remember him putting his helmet on backwards against Randy Johnson in the All Star game. But he always had a smile on his face. He didn't take it too serious. And I do believe he could have been better. But I could say the same thing about Carlton Fisk. I could say the same thing about Nolan Ryan. I could say it about George Brett. He could have been better. Everybody could be better. That's what's beautiful about this Yeah, he didn't settle for being. But the one thing that I know about Larry Walker that I truly believe, and maybe nobody's ever said this, but I saw it. It's almost like he didn't want to surpass his teammates. It wasn't because he didn't want the leadership that came with being the greatest on the team. He never wanted to rise above the crowd because those were his buddies. Those were his teammates. And he never wanted to be treated any different than them. Maybe that's what the writers saw in Larry Walker. But I'm telling you, he was as good a player as has ever played the game of baseball. And whether he worked hard at it or not, didn't play enough games, that's nonsense. I saw him play. I I remember when they said volunteers for center field, and Ellis Burks didn't want to play center field. Others didn't want to play center field. Larry Walker played center field, ran right into the wall, and separated his shoulder or broke his collarbone. I mean, the guy did whatever it took to win. The guy, and what you don't know, and I'll I'll share this, is that I obviously – 
was with the St. Louis Cardinals when he was traded there. Right. And I was called during that game, tipped off by somebody here in the media in Denver, Larry Walker's been traded to the Cardinals, and I announced it on the air in St. Louis. He comes to St. Louis. He finally gets to that World Series that he covets like every other player that's ever played the game. What does he do in his first World Series game at Fenway Park? Four hits, one home run. His first World Series game. He, he grew in stature. He handled the pressure. And when it became the biggest moment in his life, in his first World Series game, he hits a home run and has four hits. That is Larry Walker. Yeah, if he doesn't get in, I think he'll be the most talented player ever not to get into the Hall of Fame. It's a crime, and we've got to find out why. Who, who did this to him? Who perpetrated this, this myth that Larry Walker isn't deserving of the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Wayne, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Welcome back into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. I want to thank Wayne Hagen for taking the time out of what was a very uh, busy day. And we talked to him a little bit after the event, too, and we're hoping to be back in touch and get some of his thoughts on the modern Rockies, which it seemed like he was actually more than excited, like he just really wanted to share. He's like, yeah, I love talking about the old stuff, too, but hey, I'm still watching the game. I got some th a pretty good third baseman over there. Uh, so uh, we'll get into all of that with him at a future time. That'll be a lot of fun. But before we went into that conversation and, and you heard him talking about there, this notion of Walker not caring, we were talking about that. And I mentioned earlier that I feel like I get where some of that stems from. And so I wanted to finish out this episode with this part of the conversation, uh, which is my growing frustration with the way this has been covered in the media. And it isn't always or certainly limited to the national guys. And, you know, I've had the opportunity, I've been very lucky to actually meet Troy Rank of the Denver Post, who I have an extraordinary amount of respect for. And he's, you know, mostly on the Broncos beat now. We do see him down at Coors Field every once in a while. But when I was you know, really coming of age and reading about the Rockies and starting to take stuff more seriously, he was the guy. He was the most trusted and respected Rockies writer in the area. And he quite famously, was it 2012, 2013? Um, 20, yeah, 2013, and then the article was actually updated in 2016. Okay, yeah. So he published an article in which he argued that Larry Walker did not belong in the Hall of Fame and that he would not be getting his vote. And he actually spent most of that article talking about Barry Bonds, which was weird and interesting. Very little time on Walker. And the only things he really brought up were that he didn't play enough stuff and this notion that his heart wasn't really in it, particularly mentioning that at one point he had missed a couple weeks of the season due to uh, preparing for or, and or getting LASIK surgery, uh, which was an odd little nugget to drop in a segment that was so short and in some way kind of lived on in urban legend as this weird thing that every once in a while I'll be talking about this and someone will go, well, yeah, but... He got LASIK surgery that one time, so he can't go in the Hall of Fame. Um, but I do really dislike the way this set the stage. I feel like it gave a lot of national people an out, an excuse to never have to check in on the kind of details that Manny and Dan Evans and Wayne Hagen and, and the rest so meticulously presented. Because very early on in the cycle, one of the most trusted local guys who did see him every day came out and said, nah, don't bother. Don't take a look. He's not a Hall of Famer. He didn't really like baseball that much. And I think that's a big, big-time bummer. Yeah, that has done a lot of, you know, disservice to Larry Walker. And, you know, if uh, 
there, there, let's face it, there are certain voters um, that are allowed to vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame that, you know, they, they cover baseball. So they see, um, you know, depending on if they're able to travel with the team or not, uh, they, they might only see, you know, 60 of the 81 home games a year. And they're, they're watching their team and, and maybe they catch uh, three or four games uh, from another team in town uh, over the course of a series of, of seasons. And, and they cover other sports, uh, high school sports, things of that nature. And, yeah, they are a baseball writer uh, in America. <laughs> so they, uh, they, they are able to get membership and they're a part of association. Uh, but yeah, they, they get they gain access to, to this organization and after 10 years, you're, you're able to vote on the Hall of Fame. And you know, I, I pride myself as someone who knows a lot about baseball history, uh, knows a lot about the Hall of Fame. and um, I'm uh, you know besides doing this uh, as my profession, it, it's I'm a fan too. But that's not to say there aren't people that know a lot more than me. And I'm, I'm fascinated by those people because I know how much I live, eat, and breathe the game of baseball. And, you know, that being said, there are people um, that don't follow the game as closely as, as you or I do, Drew. And um, they're voters and, you know, they uh, have agendas or they might not really um, find themselves – um, understanding the power that they have, you know, with, with great responsibility comes great power. And I think to them, it's just one of those boxes that they have to check. Okay. I vote on player of the month. All right. I vote for rookie of the year at the end of the season. And I, I vote for the hall of fame, uh, when January rolls around and they might not think of it as the power and, and, um, they might not understand the impact that they can have on not only a single person's life, in this case, Larry Walker, but the life of an entire fan base. And in this case, since there literally has not been a single person who have ever worn a Colorado Rockies cap and been employed by them, even going through the minor league system, um, it it can have that impact on an entire region, on the entire Rocky Mountain region and the time zone. So again, you know, not to... Not to say, hey, this is what's at hand with Larry Walker, but it is to say that, you know, when you just say, you can just kind of check out and you don't really have to worry about that guy. Um, and 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 maybe you you aren't the, the smartest guy in the room. That that might be an opinion that you might want to keep to yourself. And um, it could be something that I'd, I'd be interested to know if, if uh, and maybe not now is the time, but... Maybe at some point going forward, um, Troy Rank might regret kind of, you know, having you know that opinion. Um, by 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 2013, the point in which he wrote this article, you know, sabermetrics was you know in full vogue, you know, and uh, Fangraphs was around already at this point, so you know he would have been able to use certain resources to try to compare and and say, wow, I guess Larry Walker was maybe a lot better than I thought. Because the old school uh, way of, of voting for a player or, or thinking a player had Hall of Fame qualifications was flipping over the back of his baseball card. And also, literally, that was the, one of the only places you could actually find statistics. So you'd flip <laughs> over the back of the baseball card, and you would see home runs, RBIs, runs scored. Uh, you know, I, I have family members that are hardcore baseball fans that still to this day talk about, like, oh, you know how many runs this guy had? You yeah, don't hear right. anybody in 2019. Those are the days, man. Yeah, you know, but but they're right. Uh, there is some value to that. Obviously, being on the field and you know taking that extra base when you needed to, which Larry Walker did, and um, but you know there was a time in which those hard numbers were the most important ones, and batting average, of course. But outside of that, you know, certain rate stats and certain metrics that are used today, um, you know, ultimately didn't exist, and. You know, I, I, I know we work in a business where we need to have a take and the hotter a take can be, probably the better. And I, I think this just might have been a, a misread on a situation that ultimately, you know, is, okay, I don't feel Larry Walker is a Hall of Famer, but, you know, do do your research and you uh, you might find that 
you know, he, he is. Uh, I don't know if there's any kind of, you know, personal disagreements between uh, any two parties. Uh, we know that's why some people will vote that way as well, you know. And um, I know uh, Troy is, is a very respected member of the community, so I don't, I don't think he, anything like that was going on with him by any means. But we know there are some folks that said, hey, he was a jerk to me, so I'm not going to vote him in. And you know what? He's probably going to get in anyway. We actually saw that last year with Mariano Rivera. There was uh, a writer um, who was, right. you know, credentialed by the the Boston Red Sox. He wasn't even from the Boston area. I, I can't even quite remember. He might have been from Rhode Island. He wrote for a small newspaper in Rhode Island, and he, you know, because of the the work of guys like Ryan Thibodeau, uh, I believe he's at not Mr. Tibbs on uh, on Twitter, but he's compiled, you know, records of voters from the BBWAA to uh for those who have gone public to try to predict instead of you know waiting for that day in january where, where they make the announcement of the players who have been uh selected and who have received 75.0 percent or higher uh into the hall of fame well he's he's trying to do that work ahead of time and that work can also you know influence other people and influence voters to say wow shoot maybe i'm in the minority maybe i i didn't really know what i was seeing I'm not just going to vote by what those guys did. I'm going to do a little bit more research and son of a gun, wouldn't you know it, I might have been wrong about this guy. So I'm now going to go and place that vote. Uh, it's just a shame that we're here now in his 10th and final season on the ballot and it's it's going to take you know 100 or so folks to kind of have that revelation and say, you know what, maybe I was wrong after all. And, and, and they go ahead and, and flip that switch and and they make that vote for Larry Walker and realize that no he he was amongst you know the greatest he wasn't Willie Mays caliber he wasn't Babe Ruth or Ted Williams caliber but he was one of the top you know 0.1% of all players to have ever played this game and that that is what a hall of famer is yeah and you know uh, Rocky Mountain Saber tweeted out a list of the voting eligible members who did not vote for Walker last season. So I, I, I think there's a lot of things working in his favor here, actually. A lot of um, people have come off the ballot, have been elected or uh, exhausted their eligibility. There's only one guy in Derek Jeter this year who's likely to get in in his first year. I don't have time to get into why that bothers the hell out of me. Um, everybody listening to this knows why that's the case. Um, but... That being the case, I, I think there's more time for some of these other voters to take a look if they're so inclined. And I, I think we're going to have plenty of uh, chances to get a little bit gorilla with it as well. Everyone should go on Twitter and find that list. If those writers happen to be on Twitter, uh, tweet at them. And, and kindly, remember, politeness always, always more effective when you're trying to convince someone. And just ask, what do you think of Larry Walker's Hall of Fame candidacy? What is your reason if you intend not to vote for him? What would the reasons be? Is there anything that we could say or show you that could convince you? Uh, you know, I want to do a thing where maybe we'll do a kind of giveaway or, or a competition or do in people's names, but I want to buy a couple of copies of Manny's book and just unsolicitedly send them to these people's offices, uh, wherever they happen to be, uh, if that's publicly available information, just so one day they get a book in the mail. What is it? What, what? And they, you know, might flag the Larry Walker chapter and say, check this out. You might want to give this guy a vote. Um, but to your point, and I'm not sure you were even directly saying this, but you, you talked about rank, maybe regretting it. I think a really great place to start would be locally. Let's Put pressure on rank and Mark Kisla, who has a vote and did not vote for Larry Walker, to be the drivers of this thing as well. I mean, Manny Rondawa is going to be one of the, the main drivers as well. And quite frankly, I've, I've been doing this for a very, very long time since he first became eligible. So for nine, now 10 years, uh, I've been on this case as well. But I, I do think it would be extremely powerful if those guys could come out and say, you know, particularly rank, uh, since he did write such a famous article about why he doesn't belong. I've been convinced, and you should be convinced too, um, I think would be really powerful. I'd love to try to get 
one or both of those guys on this podcast or, or try to get some conversation with them. So if you're out there, tweet at those guys. Again, be respectful. I've seen a couple of people, and I understand everyone's frustrations with Mark Kisla, and I really didn't like the article he wrote last year. You know the one. But as I said earlier, being polite, being respectful, it I, I just think it's always the way to go in general. I know it frustrates some people. Uh, when I'm not getting mad enough at the at the baseball team. But I think this is one of those places where it's really going to help. So Troy Rank and Mark Kisler are on Twitter. When talked to respectfully, they do respond. And if enough people ask, you know, where are you at on Larry Walker now? Let's have this conversation. I think that could be very powerful. And so that is my plea to those of you listening to this. Also to use the promo code Drew when you subscribe to DNVR, and definitely not Lions, L-Y-O-N-S. Definitely don't use Lions when you subscribe to DNVR so that we can get beer. Definitely use Drew. Yeah. Drew yeah, spelled L-Y-O-N-S. L-Y-O-N-S. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <Bingo>. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. And, and, you know, and, and to debunk the whole, you know, debate um, from, from sources that I have um, tapped into here, in, in that article uh, that Rank uh, describes, you know, maybe Larry Walker not being a team player and checking out on the team, you know, for a week for LASIK surgery, um, I have not found such information uh, out there. Uh, in 2002, in October of 2002, Larry Walker did have LASIK eye surgery, and he played on, I believe it was September 27th, the second or the third to last game in that season. Um, and in Arizona, so he went on the road trip to LA, then he went to Arizona, played in the, the third to last game, the anti-penultimate game of the season, and he didn't play on, on Saturday and Sunday for whatever reason, I don't know, but missing those two games is not missing a week because of LASIK surgery. So, um, I'm not sure where, what wires, you know, would have gotten crossed at that point, but, um, I, I don't I don't see that having ever happened where Larry Walker um, missed a week or more uh, of the season to get LASIK surgery. Uh, he may have left for two games, possibly. I, I don't know, but at which point, uh, I don't know why this needs to become, um, you know, public information. Uh, maybe because it's a medical thing. Um, I understand that. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know exactly how I feel uh, about that entirely, but it certainly wasn't a week, and um, and it, it was at the end of the season in which uh, he had already gone on the road uh, and played, you know, five games in that series. So, uh, and the Rockies were way out of it, by the way. I mean, which everyone knew because they were always way out of it <laughs> in those days. And it's but. and it's crazy that that's what we're talking about. We're talking about two games that he may have missed you know, at, at, towards the end of a, of a pointless season. Sure. That's a shame. You would, you don't, you don't want to see something like that, but you know, you see guys all the time, not hustling down to first base and, and all that is, is, you know, maybe trying to save himself a little bit, uh, a little bit of the wear and tear and shoot. Didn't we already talk about the wear and tear on Larry Walker's body? I get it. It was at the end of a season versus in the middle of the season. But again, it's, it's, uh, you know, these are just, these are just little grains of rice that were just kind of thrown around yeah. trying to yeah. trying to say they're bullets and, and they're just they're just not. It's, I think it's falling a little bit flat right now. You just reminded me one of my other big pet peeves about this whole conversation around the media is that, you know, people often say and they're right. I've heard people in the media defend the local media here and say, well, you know, the Rockies have a really easy. They haven't been you know, taken down the way they are maybe in New York or Chicago or L.A., where if you fail, they'll really come at you. But they also don't mention that in those places, if you do well, they will absolutely have your back and they will fight tooth and nail for you till the end. And we don't really do that here either. So that there's kind of two sides of that coin and that other side doesn't really get talked about. But that wasn't the biggest takeaway from the event, Patrick. What was? The biggest takeaway from the event, of course, and you heard Wayne Hagen, you know, talking about, you know, a, a couple of the things in, in Walker's candidacy uh, just now. But it is just the, the the fact of really when you look at his resume, I don't know how you can see um, anything other than a Hall of Fame 
player. There's just there's just no two ways about it when you look at the other players that are in his class. Because the thing I think most probably don't realize is, you know, he could he could steal a base. He was a big dude. You don't think of him as being fast. You don't think of him as necessarily. He didn't look like a five tool player. You know what I mean? If you've got five tools, you are just you're just a super stud. And you're not a super stud if you're standing in the in the box of the All Star game against Randy Johnson and you turn your helmet backwards. Now, right, you know, right. Larry, Larry, Larry Walker did that as a joke because he's, he's that kind of a guy. Those are moments that, you know, are great for Twitter and for social media. He did that before that existed. And I think that could be, and again, another one of those factors of, of why people, you know, haven't taken him seriously enough. But he was a, a five-tool guy. And, you know, again, when, when you include the, the, the 200, over 230 stolen bases he had in his career, you're putting him in the group with, with players like Hank Aaron and Barry Bonds and Aaron, uh, Andre Dawson and Carlos Beltran. And it's, it's, it's impressive. He, he, he's a Hall of Famer. There's no two ways about it. Absolutely. I think you wrapped it up pretty nicely there. So I'll just remind everyone that we are competing for Breckenridge Brew and for a little bit of Colorado Rockies pride. It is our off season. It's tough competing with those three other sports in the season. So we're getting a little bit beat up, but you know, I'd like to believe we're taking our lickings early that all of you are going to come in strong here in these next couple of weeks with some subscriptions. I know you've been putting it off. You're you know, you're like me. You don't always do it right away. You wait till the last minute. I get it. I understand. But if you need to renew that thing or you've been thinking about subscribing for a long time and haven't gotten around to it, why not help us uh, by subscribing using either the promo code Drew, D-R-E-W, or Lions, L-Y-O-N-S, to help one of us win a year's supply of Breckenridge Brew. Damn good beer. And if you do and you show up, at a ball game, well, then we can always share a little bit with you. We can always figure out a situation there. It's always good to share Breckenridge Brew with friends anytime you get the opportunity. So make sure you're following us on social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook or whatever podcast app you're using out there. And of course, to DNVR. Dot com. Thank you so much for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you that we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark. This episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast was brought to you by The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, MyGreenSolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase.